So I'm Carrie Lake, the creator of Animals of a New Earth podcast. And today I get to play with my beautiful friend, Katie Kangas, who is otherwise known as Dr. Katie Kangas. <laughs> and she's a holistic veterinarian with some, some beautiful integrative perspectives um, for humans and their pets all at the same time. Um, she and I have awesome conversations just, you know, in life and often are like, oh, we should have been recording that. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, why not record our conversations? So, um, Katie, thank you for coming to play in this way with me. Would you like to say anything else by way of introducing yourself? Sure. Thank you, Carrie. And of course, it's my pleasure to be here in this type of forum, even though I feel uh, privileged that I get to chat with Carrie all the time and glean much of her wisdom that she shares with myself and my clients and my patients for that matter as well. Um, but I can just add a little bit of my background. Uh, I have an integrative veterinary practice in San Diego where Carrie and I are both located. And I see mainly dogs and cats uh, you know, through my, my practice, but I, you know, I incorporate a lot of different modalities within holistic practice, including things like nutrition and herbal therapies and acupuncture and all those kinds of modalities. Um, and I really enjoy presenting people with a lot of tools and a lot of awareness about how to elevate the well-being of their pets and to really empower pet parents to know that they have that capability to support their pets to better health and better well-being and then that all affects them too and we all learn together and part of my work that i keep evolving into feeling more and more rewarded as each year goes by is that i get to play with the people just as much with the animals and you know, including everyone in the awareness and in the benefits that we map out together. So um, it's been such a pleasure for me to sort of mesh my work with what Carrie does. And I keep learning more and more and the energetic connection between animals and their people is becoming so much more obvious to me, just evolving so, uh, you know, in, in so much awareness, how it's all mapping out and falling out in front of me as I work each day. And so this is what we're talking about together today. So it's pretty exciting for me. I love it. And so and that's what's exciting to me too, as we know, um, because we talk about this all the time, but there is a growing awareness of the energetic connection between people and their animals. Like there are more veterinarians who are looking into that you know, probably more holistic, right? And not yeah. so much conventional. It's, it's, it's growing a little bit in, in the conventional too, but definitely more, uh, you know, focused on in the holistic realm for now. Yeah, yeah. And so that's like really super cool. But this is one of the things I appreciate about you is your openness to going, wow, um, that connection is beyond doubt, beyond, um, you know, maybe science isn't studying it yet, but the empirical evidence that responds to their own unique human health. Um, so I, I just want you to share like how you started noticing that trend 
you know, what, what did you start, what was your journey like as you started going pop, 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 whoa, look at this connection, look at that connection. Can you just talk about that a little bit? And sure. And um, if there's examples in there, throw them in there, you know? Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I would say, you know, I've been doing holistic work now for more than a decade. And the kind of work that I do, we get so deep in discussion about in order to approach whole body health, we really want to talk about the physical, but also the you know lifestyle, the spiritual and emotional aspects of what's going on in the animal's pattern. And of course, when you branch out beyond just the physical health and you start looking at all these other aspects, it really brings in what's going on with the family, what's going on with the pet parent and, um, and the entire family. And that gets into more deeper layers or more comprehensive layers than what most veterinarians would be doing because they're focusing a on just the physical piece of things oftentimes and b they have a very small amount of time to spend with their patients and so when we're doing whole body health approach and holistic wellness we're taking the time to get into these deeper you know discussions and and layers and that allows me to see the patterns that are happening more between pets and their people. That's one of the things I think so many people ask about in, in any realm of medicine is like, why don't I have more time to actually share what's going on and how come nobody's actually listening? <laughs> and, and how come people don't even know how to listen necessarily? Like that just seems like a head scratcher when you really want to be helping people, but you're so, whether it's human medicine or veterinary medicine, you're just sort of tied that you have 14.62 minutes in order, you know, for each person in order to keep your practice profitable or whatever it might be. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's really um, a gift that you decided to operate differently. Thank you. Yeah, it's well said. And, you know, I think, Western and conventional medicine and just the way that the you know medical field and industry works now is unfortunately, as you said, the time that doctors get to spend with their patients is so minimal. Um, and the focus has become so narrow to you know look at just the physical symptoms and think of a prescription that can apply um, or a test to do to get more information to find a prescription that can apply. Yeah. And, and thank goodness in even just my awareness over the last several years, I can see patterns of this changing more and more people for themselves and for their pets and for people they love and care about. They are looking for options that are more comprehensive and that do make more sense, um, more intuitive sense to really include all of these things to look at wellness rather than not how to necessarily just address a sickness right. or a symptom. Well, yeah, because like a person walks into the clinic with their animal and a lot of the, or themselves, and a lot of times the, the doctor and the staff, they see a problem walking in. And then the mind goes, okay, here's the problem. Here's the list of, you know, proof that this is a problem. And now I'm going to go see what, what I can apply to it, right? And like you were saying, intuitively, people are changing intuitively. More people are aware, like, like, okay, there are others who are going to listen intuitively. And so I think a lot of people's hearts are thirsty 
to not only have somebody listen, but to actually hear and feel themselves expressing, like, I feel like my puppy dog is responding to my stress. And to give someone the, the space to, to speak that from their own world, that's, a, that's healing in and of itself. It's wonderful. Thank you for recognizing that and putting it into, into great words for me. Um, that's exactly what I get to experience oftentimes is just giving people the space to really think of all of the, the factors that are coming into their awareness of what might be affecting their pet. And that's where they start saying, wow, I really think that they're feeling my stress. And more and more people, I mean, almost surprisingly are telling me that every day in my practice is, you know, my pet is experiencing this. And I really think that decent amount of this is coming from me. And I'm just so proud of people. <laughs> you know, like I almost get excited, like, wow, good for you, gold star. <laughs> like, you know, can even think about that. And it makes me happy that as like, as this human collective that we are now tapping in a little bit more to understand this. And yeah. some of the, the patterns that people talk about are just behavioral related, like they can tell that certain things that their pet are doing uh, or is doing would be per perhaps stress behaviors, but sometimes it's very physical matters too. Like of course, digestion problems, uh, a very good example because most people understand that when you're worrying a lot or stressed a lot or anxious a lot, uh, you will tend to have more gut problems, whether that shows up as indigestion or um, even, you know, for people, a lot of times diarrhea and bloating and things like that, but any kind of digestive upset is very typical. And there are a lot of pets, especially dogs, because they really key into, you know, what's going on with their family and their, their owners. Um, and they will have many of the exact same symptoms that people have. And people are really starting to recognize this. Okay. It's even getting to very specific disease conditions like thyroid problems or, you know, imbalances in, you know, all kinds of different organ systems, or perhaps even sharing the exact same cancer when it would be not a very common cancer and, you know, someone in the household and a pet has it at the same time. So um, it's, it's really quite remarkable when you start looking for these, you know, um, uh, patterns or alignments that they're there. Yeah. It's incredible. And there, some of that has been documented, hasn't it? Like some cases, like the cancers, that the human right. has this cancer, and then they have five dogs in a row that come up with the same cancer or cancer. something like that. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. And that, you know, there's so many experts that are now, uh, you know, writing about that, looking at that, trying to do a little more research into it, but really believing that a lot of, you know, our the pets are so energetic and they're so in tune with us that they take on a lot of our energy and mirrors, they're mirrors for us to mirror it back to us. And a lot of what they have is such a gift to us if we can just see that and accept that. And if we I, can just not judge and blame ourselves, you know? Yes, thank you. That's exactly what I wanted to make sure people got that because um, when this does come to light in discussion oftentimes with my, my clients, uh, a lot of times many people instantly are like, oh my gosh, and then they feel guilt. 
like, right. oh, I'm a bad person. My pet is sick because of me and I should have done this better and I shouldn't have been in my state so that they're not in this state. And immediately I'm jumping in like, no, there's no, there's no guilt. There's no blame. But awareness is just such a great place to start. And then know that we're all in this together and the pet is, you know, here with us. Uh, but when we, when we are able to see this and be aware of it, then we can start working on solutions together that affect both the people and the pet. Yeah. Well, and, and, and everybody benefits. So, and this is the beauty of animals in our lives too. Going back to the heart of what this podcast is about is, is that the animal kingdom is such a direct conduit to open human hearts. You know, it's how many people will soften and open their heart in the presence of an animal where they wouldn't in the presence of just humans. Right. And like you said, like what an amazing gift that your puppy dog may develop this condition because that's the only way you're going to actually be able to notice that there's something going on, you know, it, because we're so conditioned to ignore our own systems, our, our bodies, our feel, our, all of our feels and to just go, Oh my God, look at my horrible, look at my horrible body is doing to me, but I'm going to take care of my puppy dog when really the puppy dog's body is saying, this is how much stress there is in the house. So if, if you want to actually help me, it's gonna take reducing some of the stress in the house. And it, this all speaks to, you know, asking people to listen differently you know, to, to symptoms and listen differently to themselves and their animals. And I think the main change is how can we just take a little bit of a break from judging that everything is either good or bad and it's either my fault or it's double my fault. Like that seems like the default, right? It's either my right. fault or twice my fault, you know? So. I love it, Karen. And I'll just share with everyone. That's one of the, one of the many pieces of wisdom that I have received from Carrie is the, is, is dropping the judgment. And I, and I love that of, because most of us humans, of course, are so ingrained to judge good versus bad. And it's by default, right? <laughs> right. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's such a level of growth to be able to let go of that, you know, to yeah. <laughs> it can be pretty scary. Like, do you talking to your clients and stuff and, you know, they're there because their dog has diarrhea and you start talking to them about, you know, being kinder to themselves. How does that go? Like, what's that like? It's very interesting. And I was going to mention that's a perfect um, question to sort of segue into a thought that I wanted to share is that so many people, when you said, you know, what a gift for us to be able to see this in our pet to reflect, maybe there's something that we can do for them that will also help us. And the interesting thing is so many people will ignore what's going on in their own patterns, whether that's emotional, physical, or, or whatnot but they'll identify something in their animal and they're so deeply care for their pet that they want to immediately do something to help them. And the interesting thing is so many people bring their pets to me and they will spend their last dollar on helping their pet, but they won't do, give that same self-care to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so many times I do have this discussion with people is, you know, it's important to care for yourself too, 
but a lot of times people ignore what's going on with themselves and and you know just try and help their pets so this is such a, a wonderful way to bring them together and help yeah. them yeah yeah you know and so the people that i get to work with too um a lot of times people will will call me and say okay my cat has anxiety can you help my cat or my dog has has it so much anxiety she shakes can you help my dog and of course the answer is yes let's go for it and then i i share with them the tools that that work you know and it all has to do with how they manage themselves and their own body and they're like they're like and that's going to help my dog and i'll go yeah that that well give it a try you know and they're like wow cuz that might help me too and it's i know but what what's funny and beautiful and just so human is even when you put it right out in front of people sometimes even then it's still hard for them to hear you know he, that when you pay attention to how you breathe and that's going to help your dog relax and you know putting things very very plainly um I, I think what I'm trying to say is it's worth it to have as much compassion as, as exists on the planet for people who show up with animals full of anxiety and, and difficulty because, I mean, it's, it's so hard on us to see our loved ones in distress. Um, so hard that, that often we do ignore our own distress and that just, it deserves compassion. You know, when people are too stressed out to see straight, but they're trying to help someone else and, and you'd really like to have them receive some help and they just refuse to receive <laughs> help. Right. And yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful realm to, to be a compassionate human in that holistic way, you know? Yes, I agree. And I, I feel like that this is just on the brink of people understanding that more because i think classically you know we most humans don't perceive that don't perceive that compassion for ourselves mm -hmm. as well as everyone else can lead to these greater steps of wellness you know and yeah. most people you know we've really had a disconnect in that um and people would tend to prioritize anything their pet would need over what they need and never give themselves the same compassion so do you do a lot of your clients then come back and say oh your advice for sparky actually inspired me to change what i do for myself do you get to have that dance all the time yeah all the time it makes my work so rewarding it really does and i i, I literally say thank you prayers all the time for the fact that I found my way, my path. I mean, I started in conventional medicine, like all that's, you know, the way we're trained. And I did conventional um, approaches for 15 years before I started doing holistic. And I, I just, I am so grateful that my path has led me to such levels of recognition and contribution mm -hmm. because of how this is all opening up. Mm -hmm. Will you talk about your puppy dog that helped you transition from conventional medicine to holistic and then let that also um, sort of segue into what's different now from the 10 or 12 years ago when you transitioned into holistic medicine like 
how far have you come, you know? What, mm -hmm. what Thank has you. changed? Yeah. Tell, yeah. the story. Tell the story. Fun to, to think about. And certainly my um, entryway into the story is my dog, uh, this would be back in 2005. Uh, I had a black lab mix named Asti, A-S-T-I, Asti. And at the time she was about 14 and um, I was doing conventional medicine. I was actually a shelter veterinarian at the San Diego Humane Society and SPCA. And I had done general practice prior to that and other things as well. And um, my doggy started having older age issues with mobility and she was getting very weak in her hind end and you know, kind of some lower back issues. And it was getting to the point where she would knuckle her back feet and fall if she was trying to you know, defecate or certain things, getting up and getting down became very difficult and um, started searching for options for her. She was very sensitive to medications. There was things that just either didn't work for her or caused more side effects than benefit. And I've always been interested in holistic medicine, but I'd never known anybody who did it really, never had any experience with it. Took a couple little, you know, courses of things here and there, but didn't have any rooting in it at all. And my dog Asti inspired me and you know I say pushed me but my own pushed me to um, or uh, gave me enough incentive and motive to take that leap and look and really We're willing to do it for our critters right exactly yes. <laughs> same, same same right so, yeah I was uh, I prioritized you know it became a whole new priority is I have to figure out an, other options for my dog um, because the kind of options that I'm trained in just are lacking in this scenario. And so indeed, I found uh, Dr. Keith Weingart, who turned out to be my mentor, and he's a fabulous holistic veterinarian, and he relocated from San Diego since between then and now uh, to Portland, Oregon. But I worked with Keith for years, and he encouraged me and um, you know, really, really supported me to grow and um, pursue the training. Uh, I took Asti to him, by the way, for probably a year and a half before I was trained. And the results that happened for my dog are just nothing short of miraculous. I mean, at the time for me, I'd never seen anything like that, um, especially with natural tools. And I, I was so inspired that I'm like, I have to be able to do this for other animals, for my patients. I can't know that this type of healing can exist and not be able to offer it or be able to share it. And so I um, put in my resignation at the um, Humane Society and I went down to Florida and got trained at the Chi Institute in first initially acupuncture and then more in advanced acupuncture and herbal and chiropractic therapy. And then very much over those years, uh, to answer some of your questions, what's different from then and now, is I really delved into a lot of uh, nutrition and how food medicine is really the core of you know, health in so many aspects of how we feed our body and our pet's bodies. And that can you know, just be such a foundational approach to health. And then over these last few years, the energetic component and the emotional component and the spiritual component have now become so much more prominent in my awareness and approach as well. So that's really how things are, have evolved from initially things like acupuncture and herbs and then nutrition and now more even into the energetic and vibrational 
piece of wellness. So it's such a fun evolution. And of course, every day in everybody's lives, we're always learning. I mean, every day is, is an opportunity to learn. Um, but I just feel like what, I mean, of course, it's my dharma, so I'm thrilled about it, but I'm <laughs> so happy because I feel like I'm learning so much every day that I then get to share and amplify through, you know, all species. And I just love, love going to work because I get to affect and contribute and learn from animals and people every day. Mm. Just love it. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you something I don't think we really talked about before. And that is like, what is it like then when you have a, a pet client or a people and the animal's body is just not responding to holistic treatment? You know, like how do you approach that? Like if you need to, when do you decide to send them back to conventional things? And what does that feel like to you? What is it like, you know, if, if the animal's just not responding and, you know, where, where do you go with that? I don't know that we really talked about that because I know the responses, you know, the vast majority of the time, the animals just get brighter and brighter and brighter, but it's, there are times when it's different than that. Right. Yeah, there are. And luckily they're minimal um, in the, you know, ratio of, of what I get to see. Um, the vast majority of patients and usually what I share with people when they say, what can I expect? What can I expect when I do the, follow the recommendations that you're recommending for my pet? And my general answer is, is I'm always optimistic that you're, you're going to see positive results in your pet. I just don't know to what extent and to how quickly, because everybody's different. Every situation is, is variable. You know, the, the level of, of illness, how deep it is, how advanced it is, can be very, very different from patient to patient. And then how people or animals respond to any one given treatment or method can also be really variable. So I would say the majority of time when pets aren't responding, it's because people aren't staying consistent or committed to the process. Yeah. Um, and they, give, they either give up or they get frustrated or they get sidetracked um, life happens and things are going on with family and everything else. And the good intentions of, I want to do this, this, and that, that take a little bit of effort for my pet may sort of just get lost in the, you know, in the mix. Um, and Western medicine generally has faster answers. Now they don't always work either. There are a lot of people that come find me because Western medicine has not produced, you know, successful outcomes for their pet. But in general, a lot of things in Western medicine will, will at least work temporarily and they oftentimes will work faster than what we're doing for true healing, for getting to the true foundational, you know, changes that the body needs to truly heal. Um, that takes time and it takes commitment um, and, you know, commitment to the process. And so I like to portray for people that it's often, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, and it will build on itself. You know, you get a little layer of improvement and then it's, it's set up for the next layer of improvement and so on and so forth. Um, and the vast majority of the time, thank goodness, people are just jazzed about what they see for their pets. And oftentimes people tell me, I need to find a doctor like you for myself. <laughs> so that is really right. amazing. Yeah. And luckily there's more and more of those, 
you know, the human doctors available yeah. holistically. Right. But see, so this is what I love is we're like, we're all humans are conditioned that if there's something wrong, you go to a doctor, you get a diagnosis and you have some chemical that fixes it. Mm -hmm. And there's, like you said, there's a place for that, like prednisone. How many people know the word prednisone, right? Like that's the first thing. I don't know what it is. Here's some prednisone, you know, and not to anybody's discredit. It's just common, you know? And so, so there are times when prednisone is like the right thing to, to do just to interrupt a, a reaction yeah. and then feed the body differently or whatever. But listening to you, what I just love is everything, you know, your approach and how you listen and it, listening is not about diagnosis that it's helpful. Right. But it is a, it's like a different way of speaking to address things holistically you know like just the way you talk about these things is different than a conventional vet there's a different tone a different pressure you know an absence of pressure and um that's just something that's important for me to talk about and bring out into the light was to acknowledge that that um it's okay to pay attention to how it feels when you're talking to your doctor in this clinic and when you're talking to a different kind of doctor in a different clinic, because you'll feel pressure, you know, like the clients are going to feel pressure. Like say they just came from the emergency vet. That's a very different environment than Katie Kangas's office, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. it's important to me to like, like give people for lack of the better word, permission to be aware of how it feels and let how it feels be important information right. because your animals feel you being full of pressure and fear. And they, they're going to be like, okay, what are we afraid of? You know, okay, I'm afraid too. What are we afraid of? And, and it's worth it to, to give people that space and that encouragement and that empowerment to just say, huh, how this feels to be in this office makes a difference. It matters. It's important. It's just as important information as sometimes even the, the pieces of paper hanging on the wall, you know? Yes. Thank you. And thank you for, you know, saying that and recognizing that to be such an important piece. And I am fortunate that so many people do comment on how it does feel to be there. It's like a living room. I mean, yeah. it's a calming environment. We're sitting on the floor. You know, there's furniture for the, you know, animals and and, floor and humans. Furniture. There is furniture for humans. What's that? That you do have furniture for humans. You know, exactly. Just but it's just cute because I have a. Just the other day, a client says to me, her dog jumps up on the couch, and she was you know sitting on the couch, and she's like, "Oh, is it okay for my dog? My dog's on the furniture." And I'm like, "Oh, of course, the furniture's for him, but you can be on it too." <laughs> <laughs> that's you great up there too it's fine <laughs> it's a multi-species couch it's right? a it's a wonderful calming environment and that allows the pets not only to feel their level of calmness but people to feel calmer and then that gets shared obviously back in both ways from yeah. the, their person and and back and forth and the other thing that you mentioned that I think is worthy of expanding on a little bit is 
when you said, you know, the, the diagnosis and I really try to some extent to explain to people to not, or to encourage people to not um, hang on a label diagnosis so much mm. because that does add a lot of stress, you know, people, you know, and then they, and then Dr. Google, you know, and then you go look everything up and it's like, ah, you know, and it just adds to that sort of fear level of, you know, you read every little detail and, and it just compounds on there. And, you know, one of the things, and, and albeit Western and conventional medicine is, can have so many helpful, you know, pieces to it. Um, and having, and, and the thing I like to say to a lot of my clients is I don't need a Western diagnosis label in order to be of value to you and your pet. There are so many things that we can identify together through discussion and through, you know, visual and examination of the pet and a lot of it from discussion that don't even matter what the diagnosis is. And sometimes when somebody's given a label of a diagnosis, you feed into that and you create more of it. Um, and, you know, stepping back from that and just realizing that the body is a whole and it doesn't have to be assigned a label of a diagnosis either. So I really love to, especially when it comes to things like autoimmune disease, where Western medicine, they'll come from another veterinarian. You talked about how, you know, an emergency clinic setting or some other setting is very stressful. Well, they get this sort of bomb dropped on them. Your pet has X, Y, Z. It's lifelong. You're never, you know, they get all these exactly right you know there is they have ibd inflammatory bowel disease they're going to have it for life you're going to you know you're going to be managing this forever you know that sort of thing and they come to me and i'm like well, well, well we don't need to necessarily buy into that whole structure there uh inflammatory bowel disease is very broad label just means there's inflammation in the gut most everybody has some level of inflammation in the gut at this point doesn't mean that it's lifelong. It doesn't mean that you have to take on this label assignment and all of the details that fit with it that are on the internet and everywhere else that you'll get told. And if we can just view the body as a whole and start adding our tools in and our things that we can do to make adjustments and then things heal and then poof, the label can go away. It's amazing. <laughs> and I get to see that all the time and people are like, just the other day, McLaren, uh, the Scotty was in, who uh, is such a wonderful story. But yeah, he was, you know, labeled lifelong disease and he's thriving and just, just made my day. So um, tell the story a little bit about the Sheltie. You yeah, and Amanda. McLaren. That's McLaren? That's McLaren. I just wow. saw him the other day. I took pictures with him. Um, and I believe McLaren is 12 now, um, but I'm not he certain. He's like at death's door, right? His body. Yeah, so really... two or two and a half years ago, he was um, seeing a uh, internal medicine specialist and he was, had inflammatory bowel disease and then had numerous other conditions that were associated with that from liver disease to you know, all kinds of stuff going on for, for his body. And an internal medicine specialist who is highly trained in expertise told McLaren's daddy, Western medicine is out of, I mean, they did everything for this dog and he just got, he was getting thicker and thicker and he was losing weight. He was extremely thin, you know, 
couldn't hold, had no appetite, didn't do well with food, and was really just declining despite thousands of dollars worth of care, thousands of dollars worth of diagnostics and procedures and all this stuff. And uh, internal medicine specialist said to McLaren's daddy, I'm sorry, Western medicine is out of options. I don't know anything else that I can do for your dog. So I'd really like to refer you to Dr. Katie Tangus for trying some holistic care. And so Larry comes to find me, McLaren's dad, and has no reference of holistic anything. He's never done anything for himself or any other pets. And we start working together. And the story that unfolded is just knock your socks off. Um, and it's just, you know, just a wonderful testament to what can truly happen when everybody's desires and allowances join forces and, you know, move forward through this kind of territory. And it's, it's been fantastic. McLaren is now off. He was on 11 medications when he came. Oh my God. Wow. Um, and he is off all medications. He's almost, he got to the point where we're like, okay, Larry, now he's getting chubby. So you got to like not let him because <laughs> he was so used to him being so underweight. So he got so excited when he was gaining weight. And now he's just, he's ideal weight. He's happy. He's vibrant. He's got so much vitality and he was licking my face in the practice the other day. And it's just so great. Yeah. It's so, it, cause that's real life, right? It's like you give life what it requires and it restores itself. And yeah. it's, it takes some skill and a lot of experience and, open-heartedness and creativity and flexibility to sometimes to put together what works you know it's like that willingness to just listen vulnerably of okay this isn't let's re-steer it okay mm -hmm. now let's re-steer it again which is completely different than western medicine that says you know which code in the book said tells me which medicine to apply and then we'll see what happens you know right. um it, it is a vulnerability, I think, to go a holistic route. Like, yeah. I have a friend in Australia, and um, her kitty, Merlin, my, he's my good friend, actually. <laughs> um, he was diagnosed early last year, I think, with, you know, kidney disease and kidney failure. He's, he was 19, maybe the end, the end of his 18th year, early 19th year. And so, you know, kidney kitty at that age, generally people will just say, oh, well, there's nothing you can do. Just stop feeding him protein, give him these medications. And, you know, I'm sorry, but his hair's gonna fall out and he blah, blah, blah. Well, my friend, bless her heart, was like, oh, no, no. Oh, no, no, I don't think so. She, um, she I don't remember, I know she has holistic vets. She's an energy worker too, but she started, you know, giving him the proper supplements at, just herbs she kept feeding him plenty of protein you know raw food and um a combination of raw and you know of course fancy feast because sometimes that's what cats are willing to have you know but here he is now he I, I think he turns 20 very soon and he's chubby he actually gained weight after all of that and you know again it's not that that's the perfect cocktail for every cat or every dog, but it's really worth it to ask different questions and mm -hmm. to ask what works for my animal, which it, like you're saying is different than what does the diagnosis say every single cat is going to experience when the blood work looks like this. 
So it's, it's worth it. It's so worth it to listen differently. You know, I know that's my whole spiel on the whole planet, but um, I want to ask you too, because I haven't asked you this either. Um, you're going to be presenting three different talks at the AHVMA conference coming up, which is the um, American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. What are your topics? Like, what are you excited to share with other vets at this point? Interesting that I have started developing a niche of interest and now sharing in the topic of toxins and how we're exposed and our pets are exposed to so many things that do cause degeneration in the body and uh, you know all, all kinds of different interruptions in the body. Uh, and I have spoken on you know anything from electromagnetic field toxicity. So all of you know the cell phones and the Wi-Fi and the cell towers and you know everything around us is definitely energetically you know creating problems and it and it is literally called a toxin uh, to the cells cellularly uh, and so I've spoken about that before and then most recently I've delved into the importance of glyphosate toxicity which is Roundup Monsanto's Roundup is the most well-known um, weed killer that the main ingredient is glyphosate. And unfortunately, glyphosate has become very ubiquitous in our environment globally, but especially in the United States. I think we use you know, the highest levels of glyphosate, but it's, it's everywhere. It's very uh, convenient and yeah. they take it that way. <laughs> yes, it's been sprayed. It's being sprayed, of course, on numerous crops. And most people are familiar with GMO crops being, you know, having Roundup and glyphosate. But the problem is, is that non-GMO crops many of them actually have more glyphosate than the GMO crops, which are traditionally the corn and the soy, and now there's many others like beets and alfalfa and cotton and so on. Um, but non-GMO crops are actually sprayed at the end of the season, which means the glyphosate levels are actually higher than the corn and the soy that are sprayed in the beginning of the season because they're tolerant to Roundup, to the weed killer. These other plants that aren't tolerant, they use it as a desiccator and a dryer to ripen them and get them ready for harvesting. I didn't know that. But the very interesting link, which we can bring up in this forum, um, is that many of the crops that are the highest in glyphosate are some of the biggest in dog foods these days, especially the grain-free dog foods, which I'm all about. You know, I, just like you mentioned earlier for this kitty, I'm very supportive of raw diets for the vast majority of pets. Not every single pet thrives on the same diet, but that's generally my encouragement, or at least get to the freshest diet that works for that pet. But there's been a lot of information on grain-free foods or a lot of misinformation, I should say, on grain-free foods lately. Um, and one of the links that is showing up that is, not, that is lesser known as of yet is the fact that these crops like oats and peas and lentils are some of the highest glyphosate-containing foods and they are in high quantities in many up and coming pet foods. And what happens is, is glyphosate is starting to, well, it does cause, the levels of glyphosate that we're all exposed to causes leaky gut. And it in interrupts the intelligent barrier of the gut lining. And then all these things can go haywire in the body. Right. More autoimmune disease, more you know, problems. And the whole grain-free issue is because the gut's breaking down, the taurine doesn't absorb well, it doesn't, doesn't have the same bioavailability, bioavailability right. and so forth. So it's this whole intricate thing, but it's affecting everyone 
um, and you know, and all kinds of things, brain diseases and other things, and of course, cancers. So uh, glyphosate is a big topic for me, and I'm talking two hours on that out of the three oh, cool. for the AHVMA. Cool. And so how then do other vets respond to the, the information, the way that you share it? Because their other vets are provided misinformation as well, aren't they? Yeah. And there's a lot of veterinarians who are not well educated on all of this. So when you share, you know, you're talking yeah. information and you're the way you connect all the dots for that. How do other vets respond to you? Well, interestingly, most conventional veterinarians are probably not accessing that information mm -hmm. um, because a lot of what I speak about is really still sort of embraced by the holistic veterinary community. So, of course, this particular conference, there will be, you know, a, it's a very large conference, but it's still all the holistic veterinarians where the conventional veterinarians are still you know, they read that FDA headline on the grain-free foods not being good and now assuming that dogs need to eat grains to keep their heart healthy. Um, and the information in those circuits is not as uh, readily accessible yet. So hopefully with, you know, me sort of in this, you know, initial stages of it, I can be a contributor to that getting to other levels as we go forward. So that'll be great. I love that. Well, and you know, just like a lot of things, I guess it's the, the whole grassroots approach to life where you put the information out and it ripples out so that people ask their professional providers new questions. You know, to me, that's the most exciting thing is rather than wait for the humans in a professional setting to have all the answers, we have this ability to educate ourselves, to read articles and to be curious, like, holistic what the heck is that i'm going to go read about it and mm -hmm. and it just is a it's a different way of being and that different kind of curiosity the different kind of creativity is what is contributing to people who walk in and say could it be my anxiety having an effect on my dog mm -hmm. you know and so in all of this i just celebrate the people asking new questions like we can't it's not going to work to hate humanity in order for animals to have a better life. You know, like well, it's, it just doesn't work. And so embracing, right. Embracing everyone is what's going to get us to better levels. Well, and the animals pretty much think we're all right to hang out with. <laughs> Good point. You know, they, people will say, oh, you know, that dog. As screwy as we can be, they still like us. They love us. It's just true. There's <laughs> tons of evidence. They don't even yeah. need science, right? That's the beauty of their teachings to us. One of the beauties of their teachings to us is them having that unconditional love and being present and being in the moment and helping us to get there better. Yeah, and it's it's such a gift the the presence of companion animals and and of course every species has the the contribution to touch people's hearts right whether it's in art or sport or just the the their existence their beauty but these companion animals like you can't tell them not to love you people try it doesn't quite work does it they keep showing up loving you even if sometimes it's you know, showing up with a limp saying, will you help me? You know, and there's just, 
I just, this is, you know, again, I've said it a million times, I'll keep saying it, but a lot of what I love about what you share with people and the way you share is because it's offering people a way to include themselves without killing themselves for being a bad person. And that is revolutionary to so many people. Um, so that's, that's just what I appreciate. And it comes very much from my own life of having to figure out how to not hate humans myself, right? When, when you go on that journey of like, okay, show me a way to love humanity the way horses love humanity. Mm -hmm. Like how do horses keep giving mm -hmm. when people hit them? Like, I want to learn that. And I think more, this is what's exciting to me about the entire holistic conversation and that we can even do this is more people are getting curious, you know, how do animals keep giving to us? Do they actually love us or is it only because I give them freeze dried lung, you know? <laughs> like, no, they actually do. And sometimes that love looks like taking on some of the stress of their people to helpfully make their people's lives a little bit more heartful, help people get, have just a little bit more opportunity to feel their own hearts, you know? Love it. That's what I love too. Is there anything else that you would love to say or share or ask before we wrap up for this hour that just went by in a blip? <laughs> it did go by really fast. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I just wanna thank you, Carrie, for just, being being such a, a leader in this type of uh, awareness for everybody and creating this forum and a, a way to contribute to people and for asking me to be part of it. So it's really, really a pleasure. Um, and it was fun for me, even as you asked these questions to kind of put things into perspective that I haven't even really thought of in such a, a, a demonstrating way. So I really appreciate you sort of Putting that together for me almost at the same time as for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. And, and it's an honor. You know, I feel like the luckiest kid in the world because like some of my friends are the most amazing people offering, like you don't even see it in yourself, you know, uh, people are offering a presence. And just by the way that you function in the world, it's like leading by example with mm -hmm. the, the the curiosity and the passion to learn more and to listen to people. I mean, there's a head scratcher right there, you know, but um, I just feel like the luckiest kid in the world that I can just call my friend Katie and say, Hey, do you want to do this with me? <laughs> and, you know, for people who don't know yet, Katie does, she's asked to do lots of talks and write lots of papers and contribute to lots of things. And so um, I'm just honored that you're my friend. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank All right, love. Thank we'll you. talk to you soon another time. And thank you again for sharing your wisdom and, and guidance. And you're awesome. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. I look at you. With an open heart And say who you really are No need to find the words 
Story starts today. 